0: Hello and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I am your host, Luke McLean. This is the show where I interview experts on all things mental health and well being, from strategies you can learn like mindfulness, deep breathing, and cold showers, to people with lived experience like myself who have lived with mental illness and/or addiction, and open up about their pain to share what has helped and hindered them to provide you with motivation and inspiration to live the best life you can. So let's take the power of our minds back and live a healthier and happier life on today's episode i talked to someone who in his teenage years got caught up in the party scene and the drugs that came with that for the next 15 years of his life 23 jobs and 16 licensed disqualifications later and many more trials and tribulations through a journey of personal development fatherhood spiritual revelation and finally discovering his purpose He now runs workshops to help inspire young people to live their best life and to reach their potential, but also to help create a positive impact on their life, the community, their environment and their planet. We're going to discuss his addiction and the effects that came with it and how he has got himself clean to be a role model for his family and students he mentors. Today's guest is Sam Gamrowi. and today instead of thanking a sponsor who i really want to thank is you guys the listeners i truly mean it i'm you know i'm blown away by the amount of people that have been listening to the show so early on it's only been a couple of weeks since launching and the feedback's been absolutely amazing i'm truly truly grateful to have the listeners that i do um and you know i really want to continue to bring value to bring great content to you guys A massive thank you to to people that have rated and reviewed the show. You know, reading through that, it gives me the inspiration and motivation to continue to interview amazing guests. So thank you to you guys. And in particular, a couple of mentions there. Special K81, you know, been following my work. Podcast, an awesome extension. Refreshing and real. That's what we want to be able to provide. I want it to be refreshing. I want it to be real. Nige Cole's there as well. You know, honest, raw, genuine. Those types of things mean the world because that's what we truly want to be able to bring. And lastly there, Graham Matz. This is a great podcast. I'm so glad I managed to find it. Important everyday topics being discussed in a down-to-earth and informative way. Keep them coming. Well, Graham, we certainly will. And thank you for your insights. If you guys want to rate and review the show, head over onto iTunes or onto your favorite podcast. We're truly grateful and thankful for all that messages um, and all of the, the feedback that you provide. Truly appreciate it. Enjoy today's show. Sam, hey, thanks mate.
1: for joining me, mate. Mate, it's been a long time <laughs> coming, man.
0: A little little bit of time coming, I guess. Yeah. Um, I want to ask before we get into your whole life story and how amazing you are as a man. Oh, want to talk about is this i know we have kept our distance we've kept our distance is this a normal what we did before jumping on air is that a normal pop over and what you would do what we did (laughs) i've made that
1: sound so weird no no well the Probably the people are wondering, what did we do? <laughs> like, what did these guys do?
0: Maybe you can explain.
1: Yeah, so for the record, uh, we did keep our distance, 1.5 metres, but uh, Luke has an ice bath in his garage and I've been hanging to do an ice bath. One degree, was it?
0: Yeah, I reckon it was. Yeah, like, it was about one degree. Might have even been just
1: under. Let's say zero. Let's, Let's say go it. for zero. It was a zero degree <laughs> ice bath. Hit it for two minutes. It was amazing. How man. did it feel? Far out. It was, it was cold, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> what, what were you thinking when you were in it? Uh, well, <clears throat> I couldn't really think of anything else, but shiz and sh- sh- this is cold. Mm, you can swear. And, we're, we're, oh, okay, we're explicit yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then telling my brain, don't worry about what it is and just focus on the breath. So I do cold showers, so I feel like that's prepared me, but- I think the coldest shower I've done is probably maybe seven degrees, maybe mm. six. Mm. And that was that was a whole nother level, man. Um, and we we obviously spoke about,
0: you know, how, how much our thoughts are in the way of yeah. shit that we do day to day. <clears throat> yeah. And even, you know, like I, I've been doing them quite a bit and even still the thoughts come in, don't get in there. It's going to be cold. Yeah. You're going to struggle. It's going to yeah. be tough like they st- they're still there and like when you first get in it's like shit that's cold yep. but you know how much our thoughts are in the way you know they they're just there to block us essentially like mm. are they are they helping us mm. <laughs> probably not
1: no I, well the brain is there i guess to survive mm. and to move us away from pain so the brain will never move you toward pain it's just not going to do that mm. because pain is Death ultimately. Mm. So and even if it's a cold shower, like I mean now I talk to students about pain being homework, man, and the brain is going re, to respond the same way to that homework as if it would to a predator. Mm. That's crazy. It doesn't differentiate. Mm. It's the same signal. And so when we're pushing ourselves to do that, you know, uh, it's like the cold showers on a winter day, man. You're like you just don't want to do it. But then you got to look in the mirror and go, "Don't be a pussy or a wussy or whatever's <laughs> whatever's socially acceptable these days." I don't know anymore, but you know what I mean. Don't be weak. Yes, and uh, just get in anyway. Just and get in. The more you do that, the more the brain has to listen. Mm. Has to listen. Yeah,
0: we adapted quite well. I thought we did. We did quite well. Yeah, zero degrees. Yeah, it was nice. It was refreshing. Yeah, got a nice cup of tea to. I know, yeah. Hey, it's up. <laughs> good. Lemon and bit of
1: lemon and ginger.
0: There we go. Yeah. So mate, look, there's a bit that I want to talk about today and you've obviously got a fair story yourself. Um and obviously with this show, it is very much about being able to to get people out of autopilot but also understand that you know, we all have pain, we all have stories, yeah. you know, we all have experiences that we may not be proud of, but and, and, and I, I guess what I really want to be able to get into is how you sort of went through that mm. and sort of not come through the other side, mm. but you use that experience to, to be able to, to help other people, which is amazing. You run workshops to help and inspire young people um, to live their best life and to reach their full potential and create a positive impact on their life, their community, the environment and the planet, which is absolutely amazing. What's motivating you to do that work?
1: Uh, I had a life coach many years ago who told me, you know, a life worth living is a, a life where you leave behind a legacy. you know and there was an exercise we used to do where you used to picture people coming to your funeral and what they were saying. Uh, what would they say about you you know or if you had children, what would they what would they say that you, were about, you know? And if I can leave the planet and they go, "Man, I mean, he did a lot of stuff, blah blah blah, but he was there to help young people because ultimately young people are the future." Mm. So, I mean, yeah, I can go and help adults. But I don't really like adults as much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, they've already gone through stuff whereas these young kids, I can give them the tools and they're going to make their own mistakes anyway. But they could just go, oh, you know what, if that guy could do it, I could do it and maybe I don't need to do what he did because maybe they're thinking, oh, you know, like for me, yeah, I I, I used to really try to impress people a lot and mm. uh, that got me in a lot of trouble. Um, how were how you trying to impress them? Just doing silly things and trying to be cool and, you know, and I just – you know, just made me go down the, a, a path where I shouldn't have gone down and really I should have known, well, not that you should have known, but it is what it is, but I should know that I should just be proud with who I am and not have to impress others. So if I can teach those lessons to young people, then I'm hoping that they will avoid a lot of that pain, you know. Mm. That's, I guess, what gets me up. Yeah. yeah. So is it
0: in a way It's it's kind of you – Trying to be that that um that guidance for your younger self, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah it's, it's good, man. Look, let's uh, you know, I, I, I want to be th- this show is about being really raw, yeah. and, and being personal, yeah. Um, you know, it's not here giving tips and strategies and and you know from something we've read from a book. Yeah, you certainly haven't read a book on your life. You've yeah. experienced it. Um, tell us about when things got really difficult for you, um, what sort of led to that point, and and if there was a rock bottom
1: moment attached to that? Mm, okay. Um. So if I if I start back uh, just after high school, uh, so I'd probably been uh, so I was a good student, like was always going to plan to go to uni and travel the world. Um, I was going to do a degree, just pretty much to. Not impress your parents, but you know, to make them proud, be That's the first one in the family. Just to, what you were,
0: you know, what we're supposed to do. Yeah, you know? yeah,
1: man. Well, especially <laughs> Lebanese migrant parents, you know, mm-hmm. they've come over for a better life, and then you know, you're, yeah. So you got to sort of create. When I thought I'm going to travel the world and get paid, so I did something, you know, hospitality management, tourism, and um, through uni, I, um, st- I always loved to dance and party, and then. That sort of got me into the party scene and with the party scene comes, you know, the drug scene essentially and, uh, you know, it was just a social thing and party and get on it on Friday night and then party through to Sunday and I just got addicted to it, man. Like I just loved it and then, yeah, that just sort of went for years. Um, so what what age did you
0: start getting into drugs?
1: Uh, so. I guess heavily, like not. Okay. Yeah. So weed was throughout high school. Yeah. Um. But then the harder drugs are probably 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So I was actually one of the latest, the the last in my group. Uh, I used to just drink and smoke weed and go and party. And then they were like, oh, bro, this and, you know, introduce this other stuff. And I was one of the last ones. I was like, nah, nah, nah. And then I remember the first time I was just like, whoa, and, and sort of just got really addicted to that feeling and then just. I'm sort of someone that just goes flat out and um, there's no half asking anything. so I just went flat out and that that journey there was probably five years, just almost every weekend, man, you know, for a long time man mm. and and not sleeping mm. two, three days like did did you like
0: with that? did you notice a point where it went from just experiencing the party and um, enjoying to like that, that, that did, you, did you notice the shift into more pain and more I don't
1: want to do this? Like was there a um, – There was always moments of it mm. but because it would sort of stop on the weekend and then go back into normal life essentially like work and uni, it was all right. Um, years later when it started hitting midweek – That's when I sort of started thinking, oh, this ain't right. And then I remember thinking, oh, well, at least I'm not doing it by myself. Mm. And then when that happened, I was like, oh. Like I remember watching this movie, uh, trying to think of the title now, it's slipped my mind, Human Traffic, Mm. right? And that was all about that party scene, blah, blah, blah. And I remember getting something out, boom, doing, racking up while I watched it and I was by myself and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, is this where I'm at? And it was on like a Wednesday night, yeah, you know, midweek, and I thought, oh, this is not right. But, again, because I had places I wanted to go and things I wanted to do and I wasn't like, that's how I kept the stories you tell yourself, right, to keep you, oh, no, it's okay, I'm okay because I'm not like that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I go to uni, I, I work, I function well, but this is just something I do. So you normalise it and – yeah, I think I did that for years, until um, I had kids, and I had my daughter, and I thought it'll stop. And then um, the probably the the harder drug came in, and and uh, and it just it didn't stop, man. You know, and obviously I wasn't out partying anymore, so I was at home doing stuff, and I'd mm. stay up and I'd write like I used to rap, and I just love writing, you know raps or poetry or whatever you want to call it or just stories and stuff and I would just stay up get creative and write mm. and that happened for a few years and again still functional but then um, the funny thing was and we had a chat before off the mic about gambling mm. so I never gambled okay ever just didn't even entice me at all mates just go to pokies nah, it's think such a waste of money but then what happened is years of the of the drugs the creative flow stopped flowing and so i'd be up i'd be like oh what am i gonna do and i started getting into poker and then i started playing online poker and uh, one of the rock bottom moments was within a 24-hour period i just did not leave the laptop i don't think i've ever shared this man so it's uh yeah yeah i just didn't get off the laptop man 24 hours i reckon straight and uh, I went to re, re – um, wow, there's some emotions. It's interesting. Take your time, man. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was, I, was, I was meant to, you know, take my kids out that day with my missus. And then I said, no, yous go because I was upset that I'd been up all night and hadn't won like I'd lost. And I, they went out for the day and I stayed playing, 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 playing. And then they came back and then I got upset because she was upset that I was still there doing it. And I was like, oh, whatever, make an excuse. And I left, stayed playing, and went up to a lookout that I used to always chill at. And I played until I went to reload onto a table. And then it said insufficient funds. And I was like, no. Cause I just got paid that like that day. Mm. You know, six, seven hundred bucks, whatever it was. And I was like, no, and I went and checked my bank account. It was zero, man. Mm. And I, I felt like throwing up, man. I was like, oh, like I, was, I felt sick to the, you know, hadn't paid anything. Like I just got paid. I hadn't mm. paid rent. Hadn't paid, you know. And I remember just going, oh no, you know. And you'd think that that would have stopped you, but it didn't. It didn't. And that journey. That was probably the bottom, though. I never did that again. But there was always little bits. I just held, you know, little bits here, little bits there. But that just kept going for another for another two years um, like that. And then, uh, yeah, then I then I got this great job, this great job. And I thought, oh, yeah, cool. I'll get my life on track. And uh, at the time I was, um, I was going to schools and I was teaching kids about money. Mm-hmm. And my friends were like, how are you going to teach kids about money? Like, you're the worst with money. Like, I used to make lots of money but couldn't keep it, man, you know. it's just, you know. And then I said, who better to teach kids about money than someone who's no good with money? And it's not like I was teaching in my system. There was a great system in all these little workshops. It was fantastic. Uh, and I just started teaching them and that sort of was teaching me. So I was like, cool, yeah. And So I started get my life on track, you know, money, putting money away and blah, blah, blah and saving and this and that. And then I would, wasn't touching that, like I was still smoking a bit of weed and drinking here and there, like I was never a big drinker. Um, and then it started creeping back in again, you know, and then it would happen before work, before I was going to school or after or during the week and then I was like, what? And I did it again and then um, – so I'm fast forwarding a little bit here. But then we, so my missus was, you know, obviously upset that I kept. She could just tell straight away, you know, and um, and I remember one day, it was back in 2015. So this is like, at this stage was like eight years, eight years, man, on and off uh, with just this drug. And I hate, I hate the mentioning it, but it was, um, it was methamphetamine, and uh, it was smoking it. So before when we used to party, we used to eat it and then, you know, you would go out and party and blah, blah, and then you couldn't really eat the next day and then you'd crash and you'd sleep and, you know, you come down. So whatever goes up comes down. When the smoking came out, there's two things. When you used to eat it, you used to have to wait 30, 45 minutes before it would take effect. When it switched over to smoking it, it was like smoking anything. Boom, instant. And, and the high was very different. It was actually uh, probably not as intense but it was smoother and you could eat whereas on the other when you ate it you couldn't eat and you wouldn't eat whereas this you could eat so you could act rather normal. So that's why I think it's just impacted the world, especially Adelaide Australia like the way it has. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember I was at a, at a mate's house and my missus rang me up And she said, oh, your dad's come to pick up the kids to go and get a budgie. Like they want to go buy some budgies. Um, But I have a bad feeling. Um, I want you to go with them. And I was at a mate's house probably doing the wrong thing at the time. And I was like, "Ah, bro, can you just drop me off? I need to go. And they came and picked me up. um, And we went to get these budgies, put these budgies, grabbed them in the cage, went to put them in the boot, shut the boot. My son, he would have been six at the time. He jumped in the back seat, my dad was driving, and he jumped into the front seat. Now, I would never let him sit in the front seat, but on that day, I believe in God, God just sort of, for whatever reason, just, okay, I let him sit. It wasn't a long drive home, five minutes, so I just let him sit in the front, and I was on the phone, sat in the back seat next to my daughter. Next minute, bro, I wake up, I can't breathe, I look up, and there's a big 4 drive, he's taken out my door, pushed the whole door on me, and I had been knocked out for 30 seconds. My kids were crying, screaming. I was like, what's going on? We got T-boned and it took out my whole back door. I broke seven ribs, I ruptured a spleen, nerve damage in my hip. Like I was in hospital two weeks, man. Like I couldn't, oh, dreadful, but I just thought, whoa, if my son was in that back seat, it would have been a very different story. And that took me on a little journey. Like my missus thought, you know, that's gonna stop you. It didn't. It took me another nine months before it stopped me and before I had what I call divine intervention with God. And um, that started the journey of where we are today. So almost five years clean. Um, Yeah, I don't smoke. I don't smoke cigarettes, don't smoke vapes, don't smoke weed, don't drink alcohol, don't touch drugs, and I haven't for a long time, man.
0: You know, you mentioned – a little bit of of that change, but what was that
1: real moment of of power and change for you? Yeah, so um, if I go back to around where I started, I did um. So one people always say to me, "Man, how did you go through that many years and still be okay?" Um, and I oh a big part of it. I always had a faith. Uh, and I was sort of, I became a Muslim in my late teens. Like my, my dad was a Muslim, my mum was a Christian, but we never practiced it in the home. And me and my brother chose the path of Islam in a late teens and then sort of tried to be good Muslims. And I, I coined a term and, you know, I might get hate for or whatever, but I called it the no pork Muslim. Mm. So we used to party, we used to drink, we used to smoke, we used to do whatever, but not eat pork. And that would keep us as a Muslim. And it yeah. was terrible, right? But that's how we justified it. And um, in about 09 or well, in about 07, I was doing some personal development. So I was always reading. I finished the degree partying, man. Like a lot of my mates had quit mm. but I was like, no, nah, I've got to finish it. I don't care. It took me another year or whatever extra but I finished it. And then I was always doing personal development. So I was always reading, did some Tony Robbins CDs and that's what sort of kept me with my mindset, right, although I was always motivated. Like you got to see the mind maps I used to write, the goals that I used to write, you know, in present tense like I'd done it, the meditation and whatever, but my mind wasn't 100% there. So it was the reason why I wasn't achieving everything because Mm -hmm. I wasn't in tune essentially. Mm -hmm. Although I had the right uh, theory, putting that into practice was another thing. But I remember when I was going through it, knowing – there was a purpose. Like I knew when I was in the struggles that I was going through it for a reason and that I w- it wasn't if I was going to get out, it was when. I always knew that. Mm. So I knew when I was like, oh, shit, I think I'm addicted or mm. I think I've got a problem here because I could only go two weeks or a month or, you know, even if you go three months but then it gets you, you're not choosing it essentially. So people used to go, oh, I'm in control, I'm in control. You're not, man. You're not and you're lying to yourself if you are, okay. I lied for myself for years um, but I knew I was going through it for a reason so I could come out the other side and help others go through that. And so I learned something that said, I can't remember where I heard this, I listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books, so whoever quoted it, I'm sorry, I'm just quoting you, let me know <laughs> who you are. But it said, if you don't own your story, your story owns you. And so I can't deny what I did, like this is what I did. Do, am I proud of it? No. And then the question is, would I change it? And I think there would be parts I would change, like the pain I brought to people. Like you said before, you know, you lied, you cheated, you, you stole or whatever. And I did a lot of those things, you know. Um, but they made me who I am today. Would I be who I am today without those challenges in my life? I don't know. Mm. So I have to accept that. And go, well, you know what, me going through that, people can't say to me, well, what do you know? Because I know, man. So I feel like I I did do that to go through that, to be able to come out and help those Mm. before they go through it or even after they want to come out. So, you know, so there was this gradual thing. It was over probably six years of, you know, learning and learning and going, oh, damn it. And I probably promised my missus a thousand times it's the last time. I, I used to joke with my mates. I said, How many last hurrahs did I have?
0: Because you you would have genuinely wanted it to be the last time. Yeah. You weren't lying. Like no. you weren't, yeah, you, you would have wanted it to be the last time, but you weren't in control.
1: Nope. Nope. Yeah. So it uh, probably fell around 2015 was the accident. So 2016, four years. Four years, it'll be in June. Mm-hmm. And uh, my missus, was she was always a Christian. She always had a faith, a strong faith. And she used to hang around 20 Lebos in the in the hotel room, blah blah blah. And you know, she used to just be strong, man. And um, one day she was like prayed. She's like, God, I have I've been I've gone a psychologist. I was made, I was gonna go get to Perth and get this implant, right? I was gonna get this implant because I thought come on man what's wrong with you bro how can you not how can you keep coming back to it man after everything the potential that you've got and you know you want to help people and at this point in time you know I was doing great work like one of my favorite jobs um and I kept losing directly or indirectly great jobs like people said man how do you keep getting these great jobs well number 1 is attitude man i just had the a great attitude. I was always putting in the work. I'll get great results no matter what job I was doing. Like if I was a dishwasher, I was a dish master, not the dish pig. Like mm-hmm. that was the key, okay? And um, And then she's like, she prayed about it and she said, I need somebody that can connect with Sam that's gone through what he's gone through. And she found this guy. His name was Tony Hong. Shout out to Tony Hong. He was an ex-gangster, turned pastor. Like this dude being through the trenches, man, drugs and crime and mates murdered and, you know, and he come out and Jesus saved him and came out and felt like, all right, this is my calling and he became a pastor and she found him online mm. and she hit him up and she's mm. like, hey, this my husband and he's going through this, this and that and he's like tell him to come to Sydney and we'll spend some time together and blah, blah. So I went there because my wife's like, look, if you don't, you know, like this can't be just can't continue. You know, i got kids I've got to look after and blah, blah. And uh, so I went there with the expectation that he was going to help me get clean with no expectation that I was going to find Jesus. Like that wasn't even in my radar, man, you know. And uh, one thing turned to another and it was just like, man, I mean, I, like people say to me, oh, I really, like God? Or, and I'm like, listen, if I didn't have a personal revelation, I could doubt it. But, man, I, f- I had a personal revelation. Like it was like, boom, this is it. And so I remember just going, wow, and I, and, I, and I just kept praying into it, like what am I doing? God, is this, you know, and it just kept coming. And then I handed it over. I said, okay, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then you need to take this from me. You need to take it as if it was never a part of my life. Yes, I'll still have experiences and memories, but I don't want to be like the alcoholic who's not drinking anymore. Does that make sense? Mm. Like an alcoholic is either drinking or not drinking. I didn't want to be that. I wanted to just be, no, nah, that's it, gone. And I remember I got on my knees and I prayed, man. I was like, listen, if you are who you say you are, Jesus, then you need to take this from me right now. I don't want it like it's hanging over me. I want it, no desire, mate. And if I'm looking at you face to face, mm. I felt this a purple haze, a cloud lifted from my chest, I was on the floor, my slate floor, my knees lifted from me. And I remember, like this light. I still oh, goosebumps, right? That was heavy. Uh, um, just taken from me. And I remember laying in bed next to my missus, going, "Babe, I'm clean." All right? And she said she she does remember this, but she was like, "Yeah, all right." Like, and I'm like, "I'm telling you." One day, the next 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 day. About three months later, man. I walked in the house, and she would just looked at me, smile ear to ear, like, "Oh my gosh, you, you are." And I said, "I told you, man." And there wasn't a desire. There wasn't a like. I remember I was still vaping then to get that habit, you know, because it's a clouds. There's this whole thing. Like, if we're talking mental, mm-hmm. like, there's a whole pattern. It's not just what the drug does. There's a whole pattern around it and the habit. We're habitual creatures. There's this habit. There's this you know, the actual utensil, the cleaning of the utensil, the packing of the utensil, the watching the actual drug itself change forms. Like Mm. there's this deep connection, man. I call it the devil's drug for a number of reasons, but there's this deep. And so I remember just vaping because I could blow these clouds. The vape wasn't as bad as a cigarette. Um, It wasn't going to impact my brain, but it still allowed me to have that habit. Mm -hmm. And I remember then I was like, why am I even doing this? Weed? I thought I would keep smoking weed till the day I died. Like, they used to call me Sammy G, man. And so, green was just like something I used to do. Like, it was just a part of who I was. Mm. And I just smoking that. And I was like, I can't do that. In my mind, I'm like, I'm representing Jesus now. He's taken this from me. He's changed my life. And what am I doing? Drop that. The alcohol was easy because the alcohol to me, everyone's like, come out now, have my mates 40th or this or that. Nah, drink, bro. Have a drink, bro. I'm like, nah. Because in my mind, I can't have one beer, yeah. Luke. I don't know if you can. I can't. So I'm either like this song, drink to get drunk. That, that's that's what I used to do. So why would I have one beer? I'd rather have a coke. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah, you're un- you're understanding you're understanding yourself, and you're you're really, you know, you, you're wanting to to be the best version of yourself, the best father, the best person, the best mm-hmm. husband, and. I mean, I get that sense that you, you're just choosing, well, the alcohol, I don't want to go and write myself off and be a dickhead. Mm. I'd rather just have the coke and be the person that I want to be.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's
0: right. Man, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> like, And I don't say that lightly. But I, I want to go back to a point, like when you were saying that you always, like, you always knew mm. that it wasn't if, it was when. Mm. What would you say to people that can't see the, I like can't see that. They can't see mm. the like whether they're you know whether it's an addiction, whether it's you know struggling with relationships, whether it's struggling with work, finance, whatever it may be, and mm. they're you know they're not able to see the light. They're not able to see it, it for them. That there might not be that when I get out of this situation. Mm. Like, I mean, obviously, you've had your personal experience. I don't know if everyone is going to go through that. Is there any advice that you would give to people in that situation? Although it's not the same as yours, yeah. it may be similar.
1: Yeah. Okay. So if we talk about the brain, so what I did is I did NLP in 2009, neuro-linguistic programming, which talks about the brain and talks about modalities of the brain and talks about all these aspects of the brain and how we can control it. Basically two guys that started NLP were watching a guy doing some um, Olympic, winter Olympic event, skiing, and they sort of went, they joked, one was a mathematician, one was a linguistic you know, expert or whatever, and they joked, oh, I could do that. Yeah, if I just trained the same way they did, I trained my brain the same way they did, I could achieve those goals. And they created this program which essentially was a study of excellence Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, if I just apply this, this, and this, this is the result I will get. So when I was seeing the light, or, or essentially I had to tell myself, that there was a reason I was going through this, and that I would get out the other side. It's not like I had something telling me that I would get out the other side. So number one has to be the want and desire to get out. Mm-hmm. That has to be number one. The belief will come. Number two, it's about looking for the little wins. Yeah, so go one day without it. Boom, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Two days without a boom, that's a win. But what happens in the third day, I do it again, oh, no, I feel terrible. But it's like that, that um, quit smoking commercial, which I quite like, and it's like the first time I quit cigarettes, I quit for three days. Then I got so angry, my missus threw a pack of cigarettes at me, told me to go, right? Mm. And this, so this it shows that there's a process. And, yeah, like I say, Jesus took it from me on the night that I prayed, But if I look back, there was a process. There was like six years of me stopping and getting into exercise and avoiding it for a few months. and So it didn't, although it happened like that, it didn't happen like that. So to the people that are out there that are still struggling, number one is where is your focus? Focus on what you are grateful for right now and what you have right now. And it may be something simple like my eyes, my ears, my nose, my mouth, my feet. When we operate from a place of gratitude first, it tends to not worry about that stuff. And when we operate from fear, that tends to drive us to there. So if I actually look back, one of my life coaches said to me, Sam, we don't have a drug problem in this world. And at the time, he didn't know I was on drugs. I was doing a life coaching certificate. While I was on drugs, man. Do you know what I mean? And he didn't know. Mm. And he said to me, Sam, we don't have a drug problem. We have a self-esteem problem. And I remember thinking in my head, man, what are you talking about, man? I have a high self-esteem. But then later I started thinking, well, hang on. Maybe I don't have a high self-esteem because I used to rap back in the day, like rap comps, rap battles, like I loved it. But I always did it high, mm. drunk or on drugs drugs. So then I started thinking, oh, did I not believe in myself enough to do it straight? And then it started sinking in. Wow, so maybe I need to work on my self-esteem. And a great place to start is gratitude. It just builds up this belief in yourself, even if sometimes you think, oh, I'm not good at anything, you know? So, okay, start going at what you do have, Mm. you know, rather than what I don't have or what I'm not good at. And then I need to start working on myself and then so the one thing I do is I get people around me that are there to encourage me and lift me up and I read books man and now look at podcasts like mm. information you don't even you know people spend years writing books they spend years of experience and then they write it in a book that you can read for hours so if that's one thing I'm going to suggest you go listen to a podcast I bet you can find a podcast based on exactly where you're at in life or what you need to hear or two, go start reading a book. And number three is take yourself out of the environment because mm. that is like if I look at my life any time in my life and I look at who I was hanging around, I don't even need to remember what I was doing. I can tell you what I was doing just by remembering who I was with. Mm. That's how important the environment is. So number one, I'd say is change environment. Number two, look for the information that where you're at in life to help you out of that situation. Mm. Yep.
0: Mate, great advice. I mean, like that oh man, it rings rings so many bells and, and as you're explaining it, I'm thinking about my own situation, my own environment, my own journey and the amount of times that you know I'd fuck up and and have a relapse and beat myself up and yeah. go down that dark path yep. again yep. because I you know I was like fuck I've done it again yep. it's happened again yep. I'm never going to get out of this yep. but the way you put it then understanding that that is a part of your process yep. that's a part of your journey yep. and while some people, you know, it might be say they're addicted to cigarettes, they might put them down and that's it, they quit. That's mm, their journey. Yeah, maybe that yep. works for them, mm-hmm. but understanding that everyone's journey is different. But I like the way that you put that and and particularly starting from a place of gratitude as opposed yeah. to fear. You yeah. Know, the current situation that we're in. We spoke about this off um off the show or before the show. We spoke about how we can choose to um, you know, think about how scary the world is or, you know, how, you know, jobs are being lost and, you know, people are are stressed and, you know, looking at it from that point of view and what may happen in three months and what may happen in six months. But being able to understand that, you know, I've still got, to Clothes to where I've still got a roof over 100%. my head. I've still got clean water. I've still got a yeah. chest freezer to that's jump. In. It makes me feel amazing. I've yeah. still got a beautiful partner and, yeah. and her child. And you know, these things we still have in our life. It's different, yes, but attached to the gratitude first. Yes.
1: Instead of the fear, I love that. Yeah, I'd man. Love that. So Tom Bullio, he said something. Bulio, I think that's how he said his last name. Um, he said something. Uh, that I love, and he said, live 80% of your life in gratitude Mm -hmm. and 20% in the grind. But most people do it the other way around, Mm. actually, if at all. Like how many times do you stop during the day and go, thank you? The very first thing I do for the past four years every morning without fail is pray. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for my eyes. Thank you for my ears, Lord. Thank you for my children. Thank you for this house. Thank you for my hands, my feet, my heart, my hair. Man, most of my mates have gone bald, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> you know? Thank you for my feet. Like when I talk to children and I say, when's the last time? And we do this little exercise. We'll bring up our hands in front of our face, okay? Just look at our hands, appreciate like, even they're 15. That's 15 years, these hands have seen you through. When is the last time you looked at them and went, Thank you? You know, like if they don't believe in God, right? All right, say thank you to your hands. And when you last time you looked at your feet, it said, Thank you, feet. I don't think I've ever done that. You see what I'm saying?
0: Thank you, feet.
1: That's right. Because they have carried you through mm. every single day till now. You know? Beautiful. Oh man, it's and powerful. it's it is powerful and so simple. Mm. You know, so like simple. yeah, like we can look around and go, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that anymore. Man, we are blessed beyond measure. Like we, we are not in, you know, some country in the world that like we're gonna starve. Mm. Like we're just not. Like if you've got half a brain, which I'm assuming everybody listening to this does. Because they knew how to search it and press play. Okay, <laughs> that—that's what defines half the brain. Yeah, you will not starve in this country, man. Right, but it's about your attitude, and the best attitude is an attitude of gratitude. Like it's people, people complicate it. Like, and they're like, "Oh, what do you mean? If I just if I just wake up and start saying thank you, um, will my life change? You know what?" Yes. Yes, it will, because you will operate from that state. Mm. The problem is we operate from different states, and usually it's a state of not having enough or what I don't have or what I'm not or what I can't get or what I can't do. That is fear-based, but we need to operate from love. Love is the opposite to fear. When we operate from the place of love, gratitude, then we appreciate what we have. And when we appreciate what we have, what we have appreciates. Mm. It grows, man, and it changes, like, the part of our brain, the reticular activation system. Have you heard of that before? I have. Man, like, how powerful is that thing? Yeah. So I just use a quick little example about when I I wrote down a goal last year about a certain car I wanted to buy, okay? It was GTI Golf, okay? Um, And I had color, et cetera, you know, but that's okay. I just wrote down GTI Golf and Mm -hmm. boom. Dude, I kid you not, for two months every day, Guess what I saw? GDI golf. Everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere to the point where I almost wasn't going to buy one Mm. because there were that many around. (laughs) And so what's happening there, it's not that they've just appeared out of nowhere, they've always been there, but I've brought them into my awareness. The Mm -hmm. RAS will filter through all the information based on what is important to me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm waking up in the morning and I'm saying thank you, thank you, thank you, then what's important to me? gratitude exactly so that's absolutely. what's going to bring into my life you know it.
0: yeah i love it man and look you you're doing a lot of work um with kids and and obviously stepping into the the digital world now uh world now so people can um obviously connect with you via Sexeed. yep s-e-k-s-e-e-d dot a u. yeah um, and through socials now i know you're doing a lot of work based around what we've been talking about today and yep. values and and these types of things with yep. young um, children in particular. For anyone that wants to connect with Sam, go ahead and and um, check him out at at, at succeed. Um, yeah, man, like my mind's kind of blown from from these conversation. Um, is there anything else that we should cover?
1: Yeah, I. Um well, I'm always looking at how to operate in my best state mm-hmm. or peak state and how to help others do that. And uh, last year I came across uh, PH360. So this company is a platform that are the leaders in epigenetics in personalized health, wellness, and learning. And so I was like, well, I'm keen on this. So I went and did a a course down at Annesley College. They're the first school in the world that are taking on this platform and using it as a part of training their teachers and uh, approaching their students. So the science behind it, I mean, there's like 15 different sciences. I don't know them all off the top of my head, but basically it's based around genetics and epigenetics. And so in the womb, this is crazy. In the womb, we are developed in three layers. The have you ever heard of uh, um, ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph?
0: They ring bells, but I have
1: no idea. Okay, so they are they are what we, we used to call the three body types, mm-hmm. and what happens is you fell into one of them or in between, you know, two of them, and so they've taken that, and where that actually comes from is how you're developed in the womb. So in the womb, we're developed as three almost separate layers. One is the ectoderm. The ectoderm is your skin, your nervous system, and your brain. That is formed as one. The mesoderm is your muscles and skeletal system. That is two. That's your mesoderm. And the third is your endoderm, your organs, and your digestive system. That forms separately. So where you would fit would be determined by where how you were formed in the womb and not only for your body type mm. but for how you respond to certain things, how you learn better, what foods you should eat and so they've just built this platform around this and imagine that it starts off as a circle mm-hmm. and so you would land somewhere on the circle from zero to 360 like degrees okay but you'd mm-hmm. get a number, that number would then say that's your starting point okay Then based on epigenetics, epigenetics is like how you've been raised, the environment, the country you're in, your background, your parents' culture, all this stuff would add up and you then become not from a a flat spot on a circle but now you become a spiralling 3D cone and you sit at the top. And so it's based on all this information. Mm. And, bro, (laughs) it has taken it to a whole nother level. Wow. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> uh, it's, and I'm just learning it. So I, I'm like, I did this two-day training. Mm. I'm like, wow, I can take this into schools and personalize the experience that each student has based on their strengths and what we yeah. call our key priorities. So there's six priorities that we all have. Um, mind, social, place, like environment, mm-hmm. genius, like what you're good at, fitness, and food. There are six priorities. And depending on where you are and where you sit determines on what order they go in. Mm. So my top three is mind, social, place. Wow. Genius, fitness, yeah. food. That's how mine work. So when I get my mind right and my social right, those two keys, then I get my environment right, everything else falls into mm. place. And it's just like, wow. man. So that's where I'm at right now. Love it. I want to get endorsed, so I'm just in the middle of finishing my course, mm-hmm. get endorsed, and then start to – obviously this online stuff, like we were talking before, I'm not an online guy. Like I I actually I actually hate it. I think, uh, <laughs> I think
0: we, can, we can hear you've got the passion. You've got a lot of knowledge here. Mm. Anyone listening, get in touch with Sam that can help him out and get him into the online um, space because he's going to be able to help a lot of people help impact um create positive impact for a lot of people's lives so anyone listening jump mm. onto sam and um give him a hand with that well, mate appreciate it man man thanks for for taking the time thanks for jumping in the freezer thanks for oh. the cup of tea thanks for the insight the openness the vulnerability cannot thank you enough um, man i love it thank you so much thank
1: you brother appreciate it man thanks so much
0: Massive massive thank you to Sam for joining me on the show. I had a huge amount of fun. It was awesome to be able to dive in and, you know, I really really appreciate the vulnerability in being able to share some pretty deep truths. So thank you so much, Sam. You can connect with Sam via his Instagram at sexseed. That's S E K S W E D where you'll find a lot of his content, a lot of his work, and in particular, his sec minute, which he does it a whole lot better than I do, sec minute videos, which are absolutely amazing content. Look, my key takeaways from this interview were, look for the meaning and the purpose in what you're experiencing, even if it is deemed as a massive low or negative, find the meaning and purpose, never give up and keep striving to be the person that you wanna be no matter what. Just because the episode is over, it doesn't mean that you cannot continue your well-being journey. You can access the One Commune Wellness Summit where you will discover practices for physical, spiritual and societal health. The Commune Summit is a free 10-day online event featuring 25 of the world's foremost experts on all things health and wellness. Just head to onecommune.com forward slash over matter. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To keep up to date with the show, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. But to get the new episodes that drop twice a week direct to your favorite podcast app, make sure that you subscribe to the show. And hey, if you love what you hear, please rate and review us. We would be so grateful. Until then, see you on the next episode. Stay safe, stay healthy, and let's take the power back.